sometimes the art business can be a dirty one. And so are some of the episodes of The Art Dealer Show. In other words, this is an explicit language and content notice. Today, on The Art Dealer Show, you will hear this said to an art dealer. And that maybe I'm mad with this dream of becoming a world-famous artist just by using my shit and cum. Am I? Hello and welcome to The Art Dealer Show, the one and only podcast for and about the people who sell art. My name is Danny Stern, and as you can tell from the teaser, this is not going to be a regular episode of The Art Dealer Show at all. When I first started this show, I had it in my head that telling the stories of the people who sell art was, in a way, going to be my beat. Artists are covered by the press, as is their shows, museums, fairs, big-ticket art sales, the high-profile collectors. And the part of the story I'd cover was going to be the people who actually make it happen, the art dealers. So without even my first episode done, or even an interview recorded, I set up a Google alert for the key words like art dealer, art gallery, art sold, etc., so I could track possible stories to report on. And to a large extent, this did not get me much of what I hoped for. What I got was a mountain of reports on stolen art by Nazis. Really. I have no idea how much and how often this continues to make the news. Much like the History Channel, I can fill a full daily schedule with shows on Nazis stealing art, recovered art from Nazis, lawsuits to get art back from Nazis, found Nazi art in museums. The Google alerts run to this day. Now, they rarely produce much of anything of interest, but from time to time, something pops up, something grabs my attention and kind of fits the profile of the show. Sometimes they're interesting enough for me to go in pursuit of the people involved, ask them if they'll come and talk on the show. Now, this hasn't actually happened to date. The closest I ever got was a story that came up regarding Alec Baldwin. He was suing the Mary Boone Gallery, and actually I was in regular contact with his agent, or I don't know, his people, and Alec actually took a real interest and was slated to come onto the show, and we had some back and forth for about a year, and well, he still hasn't been on the show, and I doubt that's going to happen. But recently, another story has come up, and unlike most of the ones that catch my attention, this one got a fair bit of buzz. I mean, real buzz. Not just in our little tiny art universe, buzz in the outside real world where people actually care about things. And here's the best part. Unlike with Alec Baldwin, I'm happy to report I've got one of the principal characters from the story coming on the show today, and it's a really good conversation at that. But before we get into that, there is a lot of unpacking to do to give this some context. And you know where the best place to do some deep unpacking is? Yeah, you guessed it. Over at the old art dealer bar, that's where. So if you will give me a little bit of your time, if we can uh, buy you a couple drinks, come on, let's drop in and I'll get you up to speed. Okay, the studs stut you upright. Excellent. If you're not aware, 
I wasn't until recently. The actor, comic, performance artist, I don't know exactly how to categorize him. Sasha Baron Cohen has come back to premium cable with a brand new show. And if you're not familiar with the original show that put him on the map, it was back in the early 2000s, and it was called The Ali G Show. Ali G was one of a few characters he'd play while faking notable guests into thinking that Ali G was a real person, along with a couple other alter ego characters that he would play, and that he would do this to get them to come on to what was presumed to be their talk show. And what would come out of that were fascinating interviews. Now, he had specifically constructed these characters to bring a side out of these people that you wouldn't in a normal circumstance. He as well got some very impressive guests. I recall UN Boutros Boutros Ghali going on, Reagan's Surgeon General C. Edgar Coop, Donald Trump, Newt Gingrich, and on and on and on. Now, this was not a prank show. The point was not to punk them, although it, on the surface, kind of felt like that. The bigger reason we presume at least he was doing this was to make significant social observation, maybe even commentary. At minimum, it looked as if he was trying to hold the mirror up to them, if not up to all of us. His new show on Showtime is called Who's America? Like the question. And in the Google alert that alerted me to the show taking place at all, uh, it gave a little bit of a preview of what was going to come in the very first episode. Now, with a host of new alter ego characters, he's got a U.S. senator helping him make a PSA regarding training kindergartners to use guns while posing as an Israeli Mossad agent. He's also got Bernie Sanders on this show. And with that group, he also has caught an unsuspecting art dealer. On tonight's show, Rick Sherman tries to get representation for his artwork from a gallery in Laguna Beach, California. Hello there, Rick. I'm Christy. Yeah, Rick. That last voice you heard? That's Christy Cones both the subject of the segment and a real art consultant in Laguna, California. She's also our guest on the show. Christy has been told that Rick Sherman is an ex-con who recently just finished a long prison stint of 21 years. He's hoping to show his art to her and get some feedback about a prospective art career, maybe even show his artwork in her gallery, who knows? And this will be shot for an English reality TV show. Now, this was all in the press release, but by this point of reading this description, I'm saying to myself, I have got to see this. And I quickly subscribed to Showtime, and it was about the best $10 I ever spent. I was a fan of Sasha Baron Cohen's work going back to the start, and I knew pretty much what kind of piece to expect. But honestly, I must have said out loud, get out of here, about five times during this seven-minute piece. If you have not seen this episode yourself, picture this. He's a big guy. He's wearing a neck brace, shaved head, a prison tattoo under his eye. He's clutching a folio in his lap of what we presume to be his own artwork. He's reading as someone with a violent past. You quickly get he's not particularly sharp either. And he's clearly nervous. Don't be a twat. Come on. Come on, Ricky. If you sat next to him on a subway car, you probably would find your way off the subway car by the very next stop. Now, I'm tempted to just 
recount the whole thing. It was a fun episode, and God knows I've told the story of it to at least a dozen people since watching it and watching it a few times at that. But better than that, better than me diving in and recounting every little detail and knocking off my observations about the points that I think Sasha Baron Cohen was trying to make, I've got something a little bit better. As I noted since seeing this, I've been in contact with Christy Cohns, and she was kind enough to let us give her a call. And just a couple of notes about Christy before we get into this. Last year, Christy got a PhD in the classic, and for the past couple of years, she's been selling art pretty much across the street from the Pacific Ocean, where she swims almost daily. Okay, so what's up? You ready to talk a little? Sure. Well, I thought I'd start at the top and get to know a little bit about you, if that's okay. Uh, sure. So how long have you been in the gallery business? Um, not too long, so I'm probably not the most, you know, um, symbolic representative for some people. But um, I guess long enough to know that um, you get a lot of talk and a lot less action. So you enjoying being an art dealer? I mean, been doing it for two years, so I guess you're getting some pleasure out yeah, of it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I mean, you know, it's a lot more fun when you sell a lot. I've developed the art of uh, overcoming pretty much any rebuttal. For example, the most ridiculous case would be, oh, I just ran out of wall space. And so I say, well, so you are walking around going into art galleries and you're denying yourself the potential opportunity of acquiring anything because your walls are filled. And so whenever you see something you really desire and you can't have it, you're just depriving and denying yourself. And so you're very stoic, um, you know, I'll sort of play that card, like, so, you know, no space, why are you coming into a bunch of art galleries just to look, why do you see something you like, you know, can't you have at least the potential of getting it? Fun, but it's a fun place, I mean, um, I'm glad to be, out of all the galleries, I think I serendipitously landed up in the right one, not only because of day-to-day -day operations and our shows, et cetera, um, but also because of my um, rather fortuitous encounter with the reality TV show or whatever, a quasi-reality, what is real, does art imitate life, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. So how did this all start? How did they approach you? Oh, well, you'll see that I've been somewhat um, reserved in terms of divulging the exact particulars of the initial stages of the encounter. I've hinted. For example, on Twitter through Chris, hashtag ChristyLeaks that um, I will release eventually the emails, um, which were our exchanges, which set up the encounter. But I can tell you that they were operating under the auspices of one Alexis McKinnon, who was fronting True Media Productions. But I have the actual emails, um, and particularly one, which is, um, um, it's very well written in terms of generating and perhaps an empathetic response in the audience, and particularly me. You know, it's a story of redemption. Um, but incidentally, I don't know if you happen to see on Twitter, uh, hashtag Chrissy Leaks, um, hashtag Sasha Gate, as the conspiracy continues to grow. Um, but uh, I actually had a courier arrive two days ago who... Um, brought me a box and an envelope and um, I opened the uh, box or it was a paper wrapped item and I opened that and um, it was the work of art that was created um, apparently by uh, Mr. Sherman and so it was sent with a letter and so Mr. Sherman is real, he's alive, he's still communicating with me. Um, it will be interesting to see what else uh, as the Christie Leaks and Sasha Gate cases continue to develop comes out of this. Um, I have a uh, 
sort of heard. Uh, hang on, so, hang on a second. Are, are you implying there's a, a real artist here, uh, an artist behind this maybe? I'm not implying anything. I'm just saying that um, Rick Sherman sent me an envelope via courier with uh, the image that was created because I initially in my reaction in the Washington Post, I think, article had expressed that, um, you know, I wanted my painting because they said whenever they did the the painting, you know, whatever the medium, <laughs> um, that uh, I would receive it, uh, the portrait of me, and I never did. And so I guess um, I pulled the heartstrings of Mr. Sherman, and he sent a courier with an envelope and a wrapped painting, or and um, I unwrapped it, and um, you know, there, there it is. And so he's he's alive, he's well, and um, there's actually, I don't know, like at what point it'll become more clear, but I think there's actually a conservative response to um, sort of this whole thing that's also developing where um, they have people go undercover and there's like something to deal with. Um, I think it's going to be like hashtag tear down the wall where it's like they're pretending that they're um, uh, a migrant and that they have a child and they're trying to get into the country. And so they persuade people to tear down the wall to basically and to sub I mean, it's pretty weird. I can't tell. I just got like this. Well, I mean, I'll, you'll see the letters eventually, but... I'm sorry, do you feel that connects to your story? Uh, well, I'm just saying that, um, like, it's part of the Christie Leaks thing that you'll see. So, were you familiar with Sasha Baron Cohen's work prior to this? Had you uh, listened to the... Al had you watched the Ali G show in the past? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I've been through a lot of life uh, since the last time I saw his stuff. But yeah, definitely, you know, whatever, eight, ten years ago. Um, you know, and he's... Uh, He's a genius, just like I called him. Well, you said his character was a genius at the time, but that what did too. you think of Sasha Baron Cohen's work? Or do you see them both as being collectively genius? Pardon, so you're just asking about the distinction between him as a person and an artist? Well, Sasha Baron Cohen is a, a performer and, in a way, a commentator on society and you know the people he interviews. And then there's the characters he plays and the works he does. Are you not differentiating the two? Um, well, I mean, I I could, you know, I mean, there's going to be overlap to what extent can an artist extricate himself from his work of art. I mean, that's a whole other matter. But I think um, in terms of the character, yeah, definitely, you know, a, a great job. I mean, came across as someone who was, you know, unstable, who was uh, believed in his art and had been through all kinds of hell. And then, I guess, more along the lines of his career, et cetera. I mean, yeah, a great deal of respect. Still a genius, you know, playing multiple roles, method acting. I mean, I don't know what you call it. Just kind of doing whatever you got to do at the moment, making people. I mean, there's a lot of plan, obviously, but still. Um, I have a great deal of respect for anybody who uses art to um, push people's buttons. And sometimes, as I've said elsewhere, um, that can be a process of causing duress to others. But I think ultimately, um, you know, sometimes the worst medicine or, or the best medicine tastes bad going down, you know? Yeah, uh, you know, I want to get back to that in just a minute because I am curious about what the takeaway was. But I was uh, hoping to ask you some questions along the lines of beforehand, how did they prepare you? Did they tell you anything about what was going to take place, who he was, anything at all before the cameras started rolling? Uh, well, I mean, I told them right from the outset, look, I have no problems with camera. I've made tons of videos as a kid. And, you know, it's like, I, so, you know, you don't have to worry about me like folding up or whatever. And so it was pretty uh, just spontaneous, improvisational, um, organic. 
But um, in any case, so they were in there for about a minute. They're like, okay, let's start filming, basically. And then uh, Mr. Sherman had not entered the gallery, and then he came walking in, his big bumbling. I mean, the guy's huge. He must be like six foot four or something, and he was like all wearing thick clothes and he that goatee. I mean, what a character. And uh, it was pretty much an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half of uncut footage, so much more that happened than what was edited. And a lot of the key moments um, that I recall, you know, didn't show up, which is kind of disappointing. There's one hilarious moment um, right about the time I look at the camera and uh, expound the oxymoronic paradoxical juxtaposition phrase. Um, that I say something about Aristotle and catharsis and how expunging guilt and fear is taking place in the bathroom. And then he comes back out and um uh, there was something about, I did the portrait, you know, Mr. Sherman says, and I say something about, hey, I'm wearing um, a pearl necklace. And he says, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I- I'm really surprised I left that out. Yeah, I know. But I was. I mean, I'm not just saying that. I know that's like, oh, God, you know, that's so, it's like some people, for some people, that's going to be like, oh, my God. So, so there are all these like little moments where it was just like, because we were, you know, I was in character but also i was uncertain the whole time i was uncertain you know and i just and that's also very art dealer i mean let's face it art dealers are improv artists and nothing else at least the good ones are but but here's my question i was curious before this point or at least before he shows him the work did you get any sense that this was about a guy who makes artwork out of his own bodily fluids i mean did they tip their cards at all about this did they give you any indication no, no. They just said they just said he's a modern artist. Two blokes who was in the next cell to me. Well, I think on some level it's very simple in terms of it being a piece of cardboard and just some marker, I guess, is what you use. No, no, no. That's my own feet, Keith. This is your own feet. Okay, I apologize. I didn't realize we were exactly okay. So you've taken, yeah, you've taken waste and turned it into a portrayal of life. Um, he's, uh, that was pretty much it. He's just a modern art. That's all they told me. We had a lot of talk, you know, just about the subjectivity of art and how art sort of over time, uh, especially in the last century or whatever, half century even, I mean, has become more and more subjective and sort of, you know, individual experience. And, you know, it can be a square, a light, a piece of, I mean, whatever you want, you know, you can have sort of uh, said something along the lines. We live in a day and age where this was once the feces became apparent that, you know, feces, yes, I mean, it could be art because the times, I mean, it doesn't have to be this reason, but one reason is the times have just become so outrageous um, and like, you know, what, what anything pretty much goes. And um, so, um, and I think also that as a society changes um, to where the art begins to reflect reality more and more, and it's sort of less idealized. It's not stories of heroes and gods, for example, or Midwest America and leave it to Beaver. Um, you know, it's going to become more outrageous. But, you know, in, in context of what's been presented to you, you're, you're going pretty far field with this. You know, I mean, here is a man who's been presented to you as a, as an ex-con, mm-hmm. someone who's got a violent past, uh, has had a serious criminal background. Yeah, he, he told me. Sorry, he he made it clear. I see. Did they not show that? Yeah, he made it clear that he um, held up someone at gunpoint at seventeen. That he said that. That's how it. So that kind of returns to your other question, where it's like it was so quick. 
in the end, they, they left that out. I think he says something along the lines of, I made a mistake, and then he says four times. Oh, yeah, 14 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he said, yeah. He, which is a funny line. Yeah, which was hilarious. But, um, he, but then the next thing is this potentially violent criminal with a violent past. He's now showing you artwork made of his own bodily fluids. And he's explaining to you the way it came about was actually through some rather violent circumstances as well. They definitely have different characters, even from this sort of minimalist rendering in terms of their facial expression. Well, yeah, he was a burglar and he was a kiddie fiddler. Did you show these guys this? Yeah, I did. And what was their response, if I might ask? He loved it. He tried to stab me because he said, what, you've done this with your shit? The white on that, I used about 85 lots of ejaculatorate. I didn't have enough white. And he goes further to yeah. tell you that he's done part of it with, uh, with semen and then tells you he's extracted it from a cellmate who is not a willing participant. He found out mm-hmm. while I was doing it. Oh, he wasn't aware. Wow, okay. You know, he, he, he reaped his revenge on me in a very brutal way. How uh, did he reap his revenge, if I might inquire? He put a chair leg up my ass. So at this point, you, you can't only be thinking about how this work fits in the bigger conversation of art. So, so what is your visceral reaction to this person showing you this art done in this way? Well, I mean, I was constantly, uh, I'm a person who's tough to pin down. I change every moment. We all do. But I was wavering, you know. It was the persuasiveness of his character versus all the warnings of people beforehand and all the signs from Googling true media productions that, hey, this isn't real. Um, it was it was back and forth between those. But then sort of, I guess, an unseen denominator also is that I um, I just wanted to act. And I just wanted to put on a show and play in front of the camera and just put myself in the position where I did. I was pretty much um, listening mostly or maybe even not. I quit listening maybe as time went on to the possibility of it not being legit. I didn't care. You know, it was like, here's this beautiful and I like the guy in a way, you know, and maybe I became more persuaded over time. I don't know. But um, I have no regrets and um it was uh he was so persuasive for sure so you're thinking farce or not i'm gonna have fun with this absolutely and just i wish you know we could see all the other stuff because what it was as much as it was and he there was a lot of other art before any cc you know i mean there was like blocks of wood t-shirts socks um barbed wire um metal i mean they're like different things you know we just saw the portrait of me i think is all they show um, but you know, he shows time. the portrait of uh, the two other prisoners. Oh, the, the yeah, his cellmate or whatever, the or whoever. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. And then he tells you those are the ones that are made from his own bodily materials. Uh, yeah, those were the portraits. Yeah, but there are other. Yeah, other totally different media. Okay, so you're you're really rolling it with the uh, with the idea that this is a farce once the issue comes up with the brush. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've said about the brush. I mean. And see, that was so far along. It was like an hour and ten, you know, and so it's like, yeah, I just, oh, I, wanna, I want the full footage. Release the tape. Okay, well, how would you describe the scene that we're not seeing in, in the context of the interview? There were times where he, um, you know, would cry. Like, I, I would solicit responses. Like, for example, when I was asking about uh, the dream based on the work of art that was a pillowcase or whatever, with, I think, barbed wire. 
and I was like, you know, talking about his dreams and getting out. And he like started crying at one point. It was beautiful. But the pubic hairs, I want to say about the pubic hairs, because this is like, the, this is kind of the main point, you know, and I, if I'm going to be remembered forever as the person that gave their pubic hairs to Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, it's not the worst thing that could happen. This brush here, I'm actually collecting pubes from different artists. The, the light brown one is actually Damien Hirst's. Oh, wow. But Banksy actually uh, sent some. It's the really dark brown stuff over there. Are you asking me for a sample? Uh, well, <laughs> just uh, kidding. No, no. Honestly, uh, no. I would be honoured. I'd be honoured. I'd be completely flattered. And the 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 public airs okay, that are on I'll, there. I'll give you one. Sure. Yeah, that's kind of been you know. But hey, you only live once. And for me, I was just like, you know, I knew that was a moment that would make at least the show good. Oh, that is so generous. Wait a minute. I might be able to get a little better. Let me try here. Yep. But there's okay, six here we beauties. go. Here's a nice. Oh, hold on. Really appreciate you doing like, that. What's the big deal? There is nothing inherently wrong or shameful with the erogenous zone. Everybody has it, and body hair is in no ways taboo, no matter where it comes from. It's just a part of us as human beings. And so for me, I hope that the pubic hair, rather than just being a point of, you know, laughing um, and shock and all, is also sort of a, a perhaps a prelude into a serious discussion about our own attitudes towards the human body nude and sex and sexuality. And, you know, I'm not saying that to rescue myself from looking like a fool for giving my pubic hair to half the country, you know, or whatever. I mean, but... um I'm saying that because I sincerely believe it as a classicist. I think it had more to do with the fact that we saw it all take place. Uh-huh. I, I think if you had promised him the pubic hair and then sent it to him in the mail, uh, <laughs> look, it, it's the context. I mean, we've all seen a lot of interviews, and I, for certain, have never seen an interview where anything like this took place. <laughs> and then for me, you know, I've worked in galleries for, you know, with and in galleries for about a quarter of a century. And I've certainly never seen anything like this happen in one of them before. It's just weird to have it in places where you've never, you know, seen these kind of things take place. Uh, I think uh, it's good to ruffle feathers and to sometimes be weird. And if it weren't for people being weird, then, um, you know, our society wouldn't be pretty stale and boring. And thank God for sort of the outcasts and the outliers and the people who um, you know, ultimately, it's like, uh, in some ways, a genetic abnormality that allows our species to advance. It's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, I took away from it. <laughs> As an academic, you can persuade yourself about anything, believe me. <laughs> well, I think it's true. And I can say uh, even a skilled art dealer could say the same thing, even as a, a non-academic. Oh, yeah, totally. You, you know, uh, I think of it in these terms, whether you're a stand-up comic, an actor, or even an academic, there's a lot to be said to committing yourself 100% to whatever it is. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's very hard to sell as an art dealer if you hold back at all. You just have to be fully invested. You have to always go full steam. If you're going to make a point about a piece of artwork and that point should be the reason why somebody should spend a, a thousand or fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or a million dollars, then 
then you got to believe it with every little bit of you. And if you don't, they're going to feel it and it just doesn't work. Absolutely. There's a lot of hyperbole. And, you know, that's where if you have a, you know, encyclopedic sort of mind, you can just like pull out phrase after, you know, well, here's the, in terms of the technique, in terms of the subject matter, in terms of the artist bio, you know, in terms of like how the colors might work and, oh, look at the gold paint. You could tie it in with your metal. And you have to um, sort of also play to that, what they're getting the art for, because some people are just like, oh, yeah, the colors look great. But before we go forward, what has it been like getting all this press since uh, the episode has been on the air? Um, well, I mean, I'm glad most people liked it. You know, that's cool. But uh, the biggest change for me has just been sort of uh, the phone calls, the emails. And, um, you know, I don't mind the attention personally, but in terms of like functioning as a gallery in the summertime, when you know, you're trying to land big deals, et cetera. There have, you know, been streams of just sort of gawkers and people trying to take photos and, um, you know, uh, just getting me to trying to get me to say things and um, things like that. So, um you know, while we love the exposure for the gallery and it's all great, um, it just, we don't want it to become sort of a, a side, you know, a distraction, especially during the peak of the summer season. Yeah, I think that part fades away after time and you don't have to worry about that. The uh, what, cool. what I was also getting at is, you know, I've, I've followed Sasha Baron Cohen's work for a while. I was a big fan of his Ali G show, uh, his movies, and he definitely, and clearly he is making social commentary. You know, it's it's not the candid camera television show. You know, it's not just about gotcha or aren't people crazy or just having a lark. It seems that with every piece, he is specifically trying to point something out about something. I think his goal, I think their goal coming in was certainly to make the art world salesperson look like a fool because they would consider something, you know, along the lines. And um, but I think what they didn't know is that they were getting someone who is um, every bit a thespian, every bit an artist, every bit just sort of, you know, oddball, too. And um, so, um, and also, you know, without sounding self-righteous, I mean, fairly intellectual and knowledgeable about uh, the history of art, I guess, especially more than art galleries today. I mean, I'm not an expert on art galleries or the art market. Like I said, it's two and a half years. But I think they just got a character that they didn't quite expect. And um, in the end... Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. I, I mean, I just I'm having fun with it, especially like as I like the him sending the letter and then sending the photo and like seeing how everything now is developing and like the different things that are about to come out. It's like um, it's pretty. It's fun. Do you think he could be trying to say that the art business, you know, is full of? Let's just go with the metaphor, full of shit. Well, yeah, that's what yeah, that's what I meant. I mean, he was trying to make it look like that. That's that's what I feel like, but I don't know for sure. But I mean, maybe there isn't one thing either. Maybe that was like one contention out of many. You know, I always hate singularity. But in any case, sure. I think it was to an extent. Yeah, they wanted to go in and have this art person because they did it before to some guy, right? Like years ago. And it was a Christie's guy, right? Like, like it was like the, well, who was it? Like the vice president of, you know, it was like some big wigs. And Christie is right. I looked this up. As Allie G back in 2004, Sasha Baron Cohen had the head of Christie's on. Wicked. I is here with Lord Inlet. He be the head of Christie's and he knows everything about art and team. Now, art ain't just something for punters and people that is stiff. It is important for everyone. Ain't that right, Lord Absolutely Inlet? Absolutely right, yeah. 
Absolutely. And guess what came up in that interview? So, what is the Turner Prize? The Turner Prize is perfectly valid. It draws attention to contemporary things. Who won it this year? It was Chris Ophelia. He paints with elephant dung. What? <laughs> you what? You asked me and I told you he paints with elephant oh. dung. Rubbish. I think rubbish, but that's what he uses. Elephant dung like shite. <laughs> and that is art. Me once did that with some dog stuff and we got a police caution. <laughs> me put it on my enemies. Oh, so he's revisiting old territory. Well, didn't I? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that. It was like a long time ago. But yeah, I mean, let's face it, the art world, I mean, there has to be a certain amount of eccentricity to deal with artists. There has to be a certain amount of like arbitrariness to persuade people that something is worth a certain amount of money. You know, I mean, so it's like there's a lot of fluidity. There's a lot of like room for play. And so um, but there's there's also going to be I mean, I don't know enough. You probably know more about the art market and than I mean, you obviously do. And so you would probably be better. Well, qual- you'd be more qualified to sort of make assessments about what his annual, his history as an artist, you know, about, about what his uh, purpose would have been. But definitely, I think um, to point out sort of maybe the frivolity and, the, but also the pretentiousness, you know, like, Oh, I'm an expert. I know this, I know that, you know, which, um, you know, Anybody does um, whenever they have something, you know, that they feel like they sort of specialize in to an extent. I mean, it's kind of like what we were saying with whenever you're selling something, it's like um, bringing up, well, well, I mean, do you realize this artist is owned by the prime minister of this? Or do you realize that this artist graduated from this prestigious art school? Or do you realize that that's crushed uh, 24 karat gold paint? And, you know, you can like, there are all these different uh, things, so. So, you know, but the other side of that coin is is obviously what he's going after and maybe what he's looking to demonstrate for the purposes of his own entertainment. But do you think there's any uh, danger that, you know, a viewer of this show, I mean, not it's not making a big difference probably, but possibly adding to people's preconceived notions that, you know, the business is filled with any kind of, you know, falsehoods or that it's constructed of, you know, any kind of uh, anything of less than being serious? Well, I mean, if that were the case, I would say it would be the, for the betterment of the art world. And maybe everybody needs to be more honest and to take themselves at times less seriously, if that, you know, is true. Oh, that's an interesting take. So you think we can grow from it if Absolutely. there's a little bit of the emperor has no clothes taking place? Yeah, I mean, we, we can definitely grow from it. And every, I mean, hey, if the shoe were on the other foot, it still applies. I mean, I'm sure we could easily find things in Sasha's life, you know, to mock and to ridicule. Or, I mean, whenever you see, like, I think from what I can tell on this whole thing with the uh, tear down the wall, like where they get people to go in and basically agree to pull out, it's like they're kind of proving that, I think, which is, it's going to be really funny. And I think it's all, like, right in time for the midterms. It's like, wow. How do, how do you see it connecting with the midterms? Um, well, I mean, because the, the show just sort of is take, it's taking on a more, you know, political sort of slant. And, um, oh, you don't mean just your segment. You mean the yeah, all, no, in, no, in its no, entirety. Yeah, no, no, just my segment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think the takeaway is? What is the big lesson? And it could be for you. It could be for our business. It could be for collectors. You well, know. I don't think there is what do we any get big takeaway. I think just like if there is one, it's sort of um, the main one that a person gets from watching the show or watching my segment, which is art is subjective. And um, 
an audience can interpret something any way they want, and it's different for everybody. And um, that would that would be sort of just a reinforcement of the subjectivity of not only art, but I mean every statement that a person makes. You know, I mean, because um, like I can tell from people's reactions to me. You know, they're like oh, you know, she looks so uncomfortable. But the truth is, is like, I was never uncomfortable. No, you look plenty comfortable to me, actually. Well, there's been a lot of, you know, and I actually have sort of stoked that, you know, perspective whenever I was emotional post-reaction. But um, nevertheless, um, people interpret yeah, things differently. Yeah, but you were kind of playing into it, weren't people you? People interpret <laughs> things differently. Oh, absolutely. It was a blast. But People interpret everything differently, just like they interpret works of art differently, just like they would. a different art gallery consultant would have never done what I did. Well, I got to say, they found a great guest. I mean... Well, thank you. I mean, they, they, they could have looked for, for months, and they, they wouldn't have found somebody as interesting as you were in this. Well, it ha- I just want to, you know, keep selling art. Definitely. Well... It's been a fascinating conversation. Well, thank you. I felt like I was a bore, so I'm always hard on myself. I'll go do some laps in the pool and try to forget <laughs> myself. But it well, has well, been for me, nice too. You know, especially, uh, yeah, I like to wax uh, philosophical and poetically on my art. So Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. Um, you know, I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And look out for the Christie Leaks, you know, because I still have to read the letter that the Richard Sherman brought me the work of art, but there's also a handwritten letter, and it's in this beautiful British dialect. That's, um, I mean, I got some. Well, I'll I'll give it away, you know, in the next couple of days. Hashtag Christy Leakes in store. It's going to be fun. Put on your seatbelt. Thanks, Danny. I want to thank Christy again. She's a very interesting art dealer and a brave one and was really kind to agree to come onto the show to talk about her experience on the new Sasha Baron Cohen show. Okay, so this deserves some reflection, of course. And to do so, I'm going to ask myself the same basic questions that I was asking Christy, at least towards the end. What was the point? What was the point that Cohen is trying to make? Does this have any impact on us? Or our collectors, present or future? Do we learn anything from it? Not really. The point is the same in every single piece that he does. It's about stereotyping. He's proving that we actually believe that these minstrel characters that he plays, that they're real, that they exist in the real world. Perhaps we just haven't met them as of until now. He does this by getting these unsuspecting marks to play it straight and entertain these characters' extreme personalities, crazy, over-the-top statements, and weird premises that have no bearing in reality. And they play it straight, all the while, as if they're high-minded diplomats, bridging a cultural divide. Before Christie's segment, Cohen visited a proper, well-off Southern couple as an over-the-top liberal character. You know, the one I referenced, uh, Latte sipping, NPR subscribing, Volvo driving, you get the picture. He talked about how he insists that his daughter pee standing up, and how he insists his son pee sitting down. He also shared a story about how his wife is having an affair with a dolphin, and how they now live in Hawaii so that this porpoise human encounter can go on. And he went on and on and on, and with every little thing he told them, it got a little bit more crazier than the thing from before, just like with every character. 
and the couple politely went along with the entire conversation. Asking follow-up questions, they never even flinched. And the takeaway was not that they are stupid, far from it. You can tell they were smart people asking smart questions. It's that they were bigoted. They are not shocked by the character because to them, they finally were just meeting a person that they always assumed lived in the real world. And now that person's sitting in their dining room. And they're better people because they didn't scold him. They didn't criticize him. They just rolled along with him. So am I saying this about Christy? Am I saying he caught her being a bigot too? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. They picked an art gallery and an art dealer because they were making the point that the art business is full of shit. And that the truth is, it's easy to a bullshit artist to bullshit an artist. And that's not 100% wrong, at least not for all people in the art business. We do have bullshit artists, and so does every industry. But what's unique to our world, and something I don't think they really took into account but was working well in their favor, we have to roll with everyone who comes in the front door of our gallery. We have to roll with everyone who sends us an email, calls us up. We take them as they come, and they come in many, many different odd shapes and forms when you work in an art gallery. And we're damn good at it. The really skilled art dealers, they can take any crazy story that's brought to them, any odd little quirk or tick or behavior or belief in the world that seems to flow out of the mouth of the people who stand in front of them who are prospectively buying a piece of artwork, and not only not react, not make them feel weird, even make them feel welcome in our environment for saying exactly the crazy things that they sometimes say, but somehow even find a path through whatever that insanity is straight towards the artwork that's standing in front of them and create a reason based upon what they are telling us that makes it make sense for them to buy that art. I'm going to admit it. Right after I saw that show, I first felt embarrassed for Christy. I thought they made her look foolish and by default our business too. But that was not on her. That was on me. Christy did a version, maybe not mine or yours, but a version of what she was supposed to do as an art dealer. She took the artist as he presented himself to her, reported what he was about, she gave him some good feedback, she didn't offer him representation in her gallery, you might have noticed, or even told him that he would have a great career. She did tell him he was a genius, but who cares? Cameras were rolling, and she knew it would make the guy feel great. I'm a little bit biased here, of course, but I kind of feel that, taking all this into account, doing a bit like this, Sasha Baron Cohen did, on an art dealer in an art gallery, it's, you know, it's shooting fish in a barrel. It's a sucker punch is what it is. You pretty much could have pulled this gag on a shrink or a priest or a doctor. All people who have conditioned themselves not to judge the people who talk to them and to listen to what they have to say and for what they value. Well, it looks like they're shutting down the old art dealer bar, putting the chairs up on the tables. And if uh, you want to leave Studs a little extra something, well, this would be the time. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. 
And if you'd like to leave a tip for the Art Dealers show, we'd appreciate it too. So please, the one way you can do that is let some friends know about it and tell them how they can find it. Don't forget, you're pretty much the only marketing plan we have. No pressure. So until next time, may the elephants come through your door and may the coconuts fall at your feet. Good night, my art dealers. Good night. This has been the Art Dealer Show. You can find out more about the Art Dealer Show at artdealer.show. You can also find us on all the big social media spots under the handle, you guessed it, Art Dealer Show. Hey, stay tuned to our next episode where we have an actual neo-Nazi art dealer who specializes in selling stolen art from the 30s and 40s back to the grandchildren of the original owners. He'll also teach us some fun songs and share with us a healthy gazpacho recipe. All on the next Art Dealer Show.